Our scripture this morning comes from Acts chapter 8. So we continue our series through the New Testament book of Acts, listening to Luke, who wrote the book of Luke, as well as the book of Acts. While you're turning, I just want to share with you, it's just amazing as you've heard today, so many things that God is doing in and through the life of this church. And uh, for many churches, when we get to the summertime, things slow down a little bit. That is not the case in this church, as you have heard. Uh, it is a busy place. We had youth for a couple of weeks in Costa Rica, uh, sharing in mission and ministry there. We have another youth team heading out this afternoon to Tennessee, as has been mentioned in the prayer time, and, and then a team heading to Kenya. And when you see the vacation Bible camp moment, what an incredible thing that was to know that, that we were in ministry with about 540 kids or so throughout the summer with these two uh, vacation Bible camps and all that God is doing. And Carolyn was sharing with us that um, she was so blessed because we had more people willing to serve in ministry with these children than ever before. And, and so it's so great to be able to see that. I, I'm reminded when Jesus was teaching and some people tried to bring their children in, uh, others tried to stop them. And it really irritated Jesus. And I say that because Mark says in Mark's gospel, and Jesus became indignant. And that means he was really irritated because people were trying to hold the kids back. And Jesus said, let the children come to me and never forbid them because it's to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. And so we had the privilege of bringing so many youth and children to be into the arms of God and to embrace by God and uh, then I've had the privilege over the last week of preaching at the camp meeting uh, that's going on, closing up today at uh, Pleasant Grove Campground, heading toward Mineral Springs. And um, on Friday night, different ones from our music ministry were involved with helping to lead that service as well. So we are just so grateful for all that is going on in ministry and mission on behalf of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 4. Where Luke writes, Now those who were scattered went from place to place, proclaiming the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds with one accord listened eagerly to what was said by Philip, hearing and seeing the signs that he did for unclean spirits, crying with loud shrieks, came out of many who were possessed, and many others who were paralyzed or lame were cured. So there was great joy in that city. Now a certain man named Simon had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he was someone great. All of them, from the least to the greatest, listened to him eagerly, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they listened eagerly to him because for a long time, he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, who was proclaiming the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he stayed constantly with Philip and was amazed when he saw the signs and great miracles that took place. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. The two went down and prayed for them 
that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet the Spirit had not come upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was giving through the laying only of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain God's gift with money. You have no part or share in this, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of the wickedness of yours, and pray that the Lord, that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and the chains of wickedness. Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you said may happen to me. Now after Peter and John had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem proclaiming the good news to many of the villages and the Samaritans. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was growing up, I I would sometimes hear people say, you know, that everything's for sale if you have the right price. Or everything I own, you can buy if you got the right amount of money, you can have. Well, that's not always true, but it is interesting to see how that sometimes happens when we were serving a church up at Lake, at Lake Norman at uh, Mooresville at Williams' Chapel, there was a family telling me that they had a house that was on the water. It was a beautiful home. And, and one day they get a knock on their door and they open the door and a guy says, I want to buy your house. Well, their house wasn't on the market. There was no for sale sign in their yard. I mean, and, and so they looked at him and goes, well, well this, this house isn't for sale. And the guy said, no, really, I want to buy your house. And the guy that answered the door said, no, really, my house is not for sale. And the man looked at him and said, you don't understand. I really want to buy your house. So tell me, what will it take to buy your house? And so Joe told me, he said, I just kind of grabbed a, a number out of the air that I thought was so absurd that would make this guy just leave. And he goes, well, fine. If you want to buy this house, it'll cost you this. And the man looked at him and said, done. <laughs> they called us up going, uh, we're, we're moving. We've got to find a place to stay while we build a house. because we <laughs> Somehow we just sold ours. But not everything can money just buy. And the scripture tells us that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's one of those. Philip is now in Samaria preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Now the amazing thing is that the early church is already in Samaria. Now Jesus had said to them in the beginning of Acts, you'll be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. But to go to Samaria was was not some minor thing because the people of Israel despised the Samaritans. They hated the Samaritans. 
Many believe that if you actually step foot on Samaritan land, you were now ritually unclean. They were discriminated against, they were hated, despised, rejected in every sense of the word. Well, how did it get so bad? Where did that come from? Well, years earlier, the, the, the tribes of Israel or the kingdom of Israel was divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom in 722 B.C. was taken over and captured by the Assyrians. The Assyrian Empire had worked its way in and, and, and captured these people in this land. And one of the things that empires would often do in those days is, is once you conquered a land, you would take part of the people, the leaders, many of the leaders, and some of the people that were there, and you would exile them to another part of your kingdom. And then you would bring in other people and bring them into your kingdom. And the goal was, was to, to kind of break up that loyalty or that national identity and, and that sense of oneness and solidarity that the people might have and and so now you have many of the Jews from the northern kingdom have been exiled away and others Assyrians have been brought into the northern kingdom around those who were left there well after a few generations where people grew up together got to know each other knew the neighbors they started intermarrying and their offspring were known as the Samaritans and the southern people looked up and went, I cannot believe what's happening there. And they just thought that that was the worst thing that had ever happened because now the, the, the national identity is no longer pure and, and the descendanthood from Abraham is no longer pure. These people have intermarried. They have messed this whole thing up and we can't believe this. And there was a genuine hatred and despising going on between the folks. It's one of the reasons why when Jesus went through Samaria, the disciples didn't know what to say. And we learn in John 4 when Jesus goes up to the well and he sees the Samaritan woman at the well. She looks at Jesus and goes, um, how is it that you, a Jew, would ask me to give you something to drink? I, I thought you hated us. And then John wants to make sure that we get it. So in parentheses, he said, the Jews at this time had nothing to do with the Samaritans. They hated each other. As a matter of fact, later, the southern kingdom of Israel is destroyed and, and taken into the Babylonian captivity. And, and years later, when they're allowed to come back and rebuild the temple, the Samaritans said, let us help you because we're descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as well. And they went, no way, you have no part in this. They were despised. As a matter of fact, if you wanted to hurl an insult at someone, just call them a Samaritan. If you look at John eight forty eight, that's exactly what they did to Jesus. If you wanted to insult somebody, go, and you're a Samaritan. But now, we see that the Holy Spirit has crossed these boundaries. Now we see that when the Spirit of God is poured out, these barriers that we often place between ourselves are transcended. And we see the oneness of the people. So Philip is there and, and the Samaritans are, are hearing the good news of the kingdom of God and, and hearing the message of Jesus Christ. And we're told that they believed. And they accepted Jesus Christ. And they were baptized. And God is doing an amazing thing. Now there was a guy there in Samaria. His name was Simon. Simon the magician. And in, in these days, magicians could make a lot of money with the sleight of hand. 
and with some illusions. And they would make people think that they had this amazing mystical power. And, and, and as long as they could try to tell you, here's what's going to happen to you in the future and, and, and try to manipulate you a little bit, they could make a fortune. And Simon had been doing this for a long time. We're told for a long time. Most everybody there, big or small, loved and followed and listened to Simon. And Simon had been doing this, but the Jews were strictly forbidden to be a part of it at all. Leviticus 19.31. I know Leviticus is one of your favorite books in the Bible, so many of you know this one by heart, I'm sure. But Leviticus 19.31 says, Now do not turn to mediums or wizards and do not seek them out to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. And then to kick it up a notch in Leviticus 20 verse 6, God goes on to say, if, If any turn to mediums or wizards prostituting themselves to them, I will set my face against them and they'll be cut off from the people. So here you have these people that are, that are following this magician and now you have... Philip, who's there proclaiming the kingdom of God, and the people of Samaria believe him. They believe in Jesus Christ, they're baptized and start to follow him, and we're told that even Simon the magician begins to follow him. Well, the apostles in Jerusalem hear what's going on. And they're so thrilled that, that God is working in Samaria and that the people in Samaria are, are following the kingdom of God. And, and they send Peter and John there to, to make sure that they receive the Holy Spirit because at this point they had not received the Spirit of God. And, and so they want to make sure that these people receive it and they come and, and they lay hands on the people. And all of a sudden, these people are seeing miracles and amazing things happen. And Simon the magician goes, oh. That's how you do it. Because Luke told us that for the longest time he had been following Philip around everywhere trying to go, how did he do it? It's kind of like that Penn and Teller show, you know, can you fool me? You know, uh, and they, they try to figure out exactly how did you do the trick. And, and so Simon had been going around watching all these miracles trying to figure it out. And now when he sees the laying on of hands, he goes, that's how you do it. It's with the laying on of hands. So he goes up to, to Peter and to John and he goes, hey, and he pulls out his wallet and goes, how much would it cost for me to get some of that Holy Spirit so that I can do that? So that, so that when, when I lay my hands on people, that, that they'll have the Holy Spirit too. I mean, this is a good, we could franchise this deal. And Peter looks at him and he says, may your money perish with you. May your money perish with you. Now, that's a very polite way of saying what he really said to him. Because again, we have been told by Jesus and John that, that God so loved the world that, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And whereas we were told that Simon believed, we now find out it wasn't so much that he believed as much as he was enamored. And now Peter looks at Simon and says, may your money perish with you because you're perishing. And may your money perish with you because you actually thought, you actually thought that you could buy the power of God with your money. You actually thought that you could manipulate the Holy Spirit. You actually thought that you could exploit what God is doing. And you have no part in this ministry. None. Because your heart's not right before God. You're full of wickedness. You need to pray for forgiveness. 
You need to repent and turn. And Simon then says, well, pray to the Lord that this won't happen to me. Now notice he didn't say, I repent, but what he prays is, pray that that doesn't happen. And we really don't know from the Scripture that that Simon actually really began to follow. And many of the early church scholars and historians actually show that, that Simon actually becomes a heretic and goes against the church and against the faith and there's actually a word now called simony which means one who tries to buy an office of god or the authority of god or or tries to exploit the power of god for their own personal gain and wealth simony after simon the magician will williman was a biblical scholar and professor and chaplain at duke divinity school for years before he became a bishop and he has, he has a commentary on the book of Acts, and in it he goes, and you can see simony at work today. It's not, not the same kind of way of doing magic, but you can see people exploiting God for their own gain. He said, for example, some of the televangelists today would be guilty of this, he says. Now, in case you're worried that, you know, I just said something that made you mad, that's Will Willimon. But I mean, his point is, is that any time we, we try to use the name of God and the power of God to build ourselves up and, and, and to get rich off of God, then, then, then we turn that to us. That's simony. I've actually been thinking about that with the church because I've been hearing about some of the televangelists and their, and their jets and their new jets and the things that they need. And, and, and I was thinking, you know, I, I'm going to talk to the, committee, the finance committee and our trustees about that. I don't really need a church jet, but it would be neat to make visits in the church vet. <laughs> he says some of the other places that, that, that you, can, you can experience simony is even with celebrity preachers today to where sometimes one of the things that we do is, is that, that the church becomes about the preacher rather than the preacher pointing people to God, the preacher becomes like God. And we sometimes forget that the church is a tool and a vessel to help people encounter God. It's not the end in and of itself. And so Willeman says, you you can see simony occurring today. And he said, sometimes you actually see political activists putting reverend in front of their name so that, that all of a sudden they get an audience, but they're promoting their agenda over God's agenda. We have to be careful. Spiritual power is not for profit. It's not something we can manipulate. It's, it's not some kind of magic. Now, I grew up with a little bit of magic. I'll just go ahead and confess that to you. I watched Bewitched when I was a kid. <laughs> and we thought I Dream of Jeannie was pretty cool. And I'll confess to you, my kids grew up with a little bit of magic because they like Disney and the whole kingdom's a magic kingdom. And my daughter, she had, when she was a little girl, her bedspread was the Little Mermaid. And, but we knew King Triton wasn't somebody we worshipped. We knew that wasn't real. And that Cinderella's fairy godmother may have been one of the neatest little people you ever met, but she wasn't somebody we turned to for help. And the genie in Aladdin was just funny as he could be, but wasn't somebody we leaned on. We knew that was, just, that was just fun. That was entertainment. That was as far as it goes. But it never really turned to where we tried to manipulate God as a magician. It's not magic. not something you can buy. The, 
the kingdom of God and the salvation of God and the presence of God. It's, it's not for sale. When I was a kid, growing up, I had a great uncle who had done very well and, and had a lot of money. Don't worry, it didn't trickle down to any of us. But, but one of the things that I, I found interesting that we would sometimes talk a little bit about when we, we would go visit him and be around was he, he, he didn't go to his church. He didn't go to my home church, but he wasn't active in his church. But he sure got a lot of pastoral care, and I couldn't figure that out for the longest time. Why do the preachers hang around him so much whenever he doesn't really go to church? And, and we were there one day when the preacher was leaving, and I saw the handoff. Oh. Every time he left, he left with a fresh $100 bill. No wonder he got more visits than anybody else. I mean, I'm not saying that's what we're doing. Don't, don't hear that. I mean, Ed's our pastoral care guy. <laughs> but what was scary was that my uncle seemed to think that even though he didn't go to church and he didn't really have a relationship with Jesus Christ so much, as long as he wrote a check to the church periodically and handed the preacher a $100 bill periodically, that might make him okay. Well, the kingdom of God's not for sale. And, and the gift of God's grace, it's not for sale. And, and so, so Peter's looking at Simon and going, this is not some kind of hocus pocus. This is not something you can do, some magical words that you can use. And, and there's not some formula that you can hold out and, and just make things happen. I mean, sometimes I wish as a pastor that I had the magic words that I could say hocus pocus and things would just happen. If so, I would be heading out to see my dad this afternoon who's battling lung cancer right now. I mean, I wish I had some magical words that I could manipulate God and make God do whatever I wanted God to do. That's not the way it works. I have a picture of a beautiful little four-year-old girl I've told you about before on the shelf in my office, and her name was Faith. And I, I love that kid to death. She loved me so much too. Can't tell you why, but after church, after the 11 o'clock service every Sunday, the family would wait around and I'd pick her up and walk through the church. We'd look at the stained glass windows. We would talk. I, I, that kid loved me. I loved her. But her little heart had all kinds of issues from the day she was born. She, she had been at Duke Hospital. She had been at Levine Hospital. She had been all over the place with people trying to figure out what they could do to save this little girl's life. And I prayed for her as hard as I've ever prayed for anybody in my life. But I was there with them the day that they were in the hospital and turned off the equipment and laid her in her mother's arms who rocked her until she was received into the arms of Jesus Christ. I didn't have some magical hocus-pocus that manipulates God. That's not how it works. And, and, and Peter is saying to Simon, magic points to the magician. It's all about you. But faith points to God. Faith points to God, and, and this is a gift. You don't have enough money to buy this. You can't afford this. That's why God freely gives it to you. That God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And this God who so loved you enough to die for you is not going then to abandon you. But this God will see you through it. And the presence and the power of God's Holy Spirit is this God who loves you committing, I will always be with you thick or thin no matter what you go through in your life. 
I will always be there for you because I love you dearly. You can't afford that. Therefore, it's a gift from God. And the moment we try to manipulate it, the moment we try to use that somehow for our own power and our own personal gain, well, then it becomes sin. You know what I find interesting in the Scripture? The kingdom of God includes Samaritans. People who are despised and rejected by the rest of the world. But the kingdom of God does not include those who seek to use the name of God for their own personal benefit. Did you catch that? The kingdom of God is made up of Samaritans. But it's not made up of people who try to use the name of God and manipulate the power of God. Peter goes, you need to watch out. You think you can control God? You can't afford what God is willing to give to you freely if your heart is in the right place. Will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful for your love and grace. And God, we give you thanks for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. For the presence and the power and the, the forgiveness, the salvation, the everlasting life that he offers. And God, we're grateful for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Where you promised us not only did you die for us but that you'll be with us always. That you will never forsake us. Never abandon us. Never reject us. And all of this is a free gift. It's a gift for all who will believe and receive you and accept you into their hearts and lives. And God, we pray that you would forgive us and we pray dear God that you would caution us and we pray that you would prevent us from ever trying to use your amazing love and and your amazing grace as something that we can exploit for our own personal gain we can't afford this gift and it cost you everything you had to give it to us so God, we pray that we would receive the gift of Jesus Christ and the gift of your Holy Spirit. And that all that we do and say would always be for your glory and your honor. In the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Our closing hymn that we invite you to stand as we sing is Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And in all these other things, They'll be added unto you. Hallelujah.